Welcome to First Baptist Church here in McLeod, Oklahoma. <laughs> Would you turn to John chapter 1? That's where we're at this morning. John chapter 2, I'm sorry. John chapter 2. We're talking about this Jesus, this deeper look as to who it is that we serve, this, this Savior, this God that, that is definitely the way maker, the miracle worker. I couldn't even sing those words this morning. So real. So real. That's the Lord we serve. And today we see a, a Jesus who cared about people. And he was true to his mission. And, I, and I'm thankful for a God who does that. A God who loves me so much that, that he came on purpose for me. And that he knows me today. And that he cares about me today. And without a doubt, I can get through whatever this life brings me because my God is good. Look at, look at chapter 2 there in John, starting with verse 1. It says, On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour is not come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. <laughs> I love that. And that just like a mom. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, it now became wine and it did not know where it came from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And the master of the feast called out to the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum and with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. Would you pray with me, Lord? I, I pray as we read through this passage that, Lord, it would speak to our hearts. Lord, as I know your Holy Spirit is, is prompting us, we know that our faith grows by hearing your word. Father, we're, we're being introduced and reintroduced to Jesus. We're, we're, we're diving in deeper as to who is this Savior that we, that we talk so much about. Truly, the world has a definition of Jesus, but your word tells us exactly who Jesus is. And today we glory in that. Father, would you speak to believers? Father, would you call unbelievers to repentance in your most holy name? Amen. Dwight Moody, he says this. Uh, uh, I thought this was interesting. He says, a rule I have had for years is to treat the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal friend. He's not a creed, a mere doctrine, but it is he himself that we have. Uh, it's good to know creeds and doctrines, don't you agree? Uh, I study them. I like to read the old creeds, the old doctrines. I, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a biblical nerd, I suppose, if, you, if there could be one. I like to read old documents, old beliefs, old preachers, old teachers, all that kind of stuff. But what we have here is not just a religion. What we have is Christ himself, a very personal God. He meets us where we are. We talked about that last week, how, how he comes to us. 
And I believe as we're here today, we there's about three points I want us to look at out of this passage of Scripture. And I know if you're a true Baptist, you're probably really uncomfortable with me preaching about wine and water to wine today, right? You're supposed to laugh at that part, right? Some of you are like, oh, no. <laughs> but we're, we, see, we hear this story, and, I, and I, I look at the character of Jesus at a wedding feast. And as we've been reading through here, you guys know that last week he called some of his disciples. And so he's going down to, you know, uh, to this wedding feast and, and he tags his, his, his brother, brothers and, and he tags his disciples right along with him. And here they go to this wedding feast and they're just having a good time. You know, they're just enjoying themselves. And then his mom comes along and says, Hey, they're out of wine. And he's like, okay, <laughs> go to the store. I don't know. There's, I'm sure the fire lake's open. Go down there and get some more wine or whatever, you know. But she, having faith and knowing who Jesus is, what does she say? She didn't really say anything to Jesus. She turns around to the servants and she says, just do whatever, you know, whatever he says, just do it. She understood who Jesus was. She knew who he was. And I think one of the, the, the points that I get out of this story, because we know, of course, Jesus goes and he turns the water to wine. But what we see here is he's not just a God who lives out on a cloud somewhere. He's not just a God who's wanting to establish a religion. But what I see in this story is a Jesus who cares. And that first point I want us to look at this morning is that Jesus is concerned with what concerns us. What are you worried about today? What's, what's the problems you're going through? I bet everyone in here has got something you're dealing with. Amen. Something that's heavy, a, a burden, a weight, a sickness a person. <laughs> You've got things that are going on in your life that are just hard right now. And I know a lot of times we, 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 we hold stuff in. I, I'm the type of guy, I don't really talk about my emotions much, you know. I don't. Uh, Joni, she's often like, what's going on in your mind? And I'm like, there's nothing. There's, there's literally nothing going on there. She, well, you're quiet. I know, because there's nothing going on here. That's why I'm not, t- not saying anything. But a lot of times we are people that we don't share really to God our deep concerns because we feel like God doesn't care. But I want you to know today that God does care. If Jesus cared enough to do a miracle with wine at a wedding feast, I believe Jesus cares enough to take care of whatever we're going through in life. That's the Lord we serve. And so, you know, what Moody said about Jesus being personal, what he said, it's really the same picture we see here out of the, out of the story in John where, where Jesus he cared enough that he did something about it. He could have just kept going on. But you guys know the story. He tells, he tells his mom, you know, it's not my time yet. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Jesus didn't come just to, to be a winemaker. He came to be a redeemer. And, and he, was, he was telling his mother that. I think there's a bigger picture here. <clears throat> because he, you know, as soon as he says that to his mom, then he turns around and he makes wine. There's a point as to why he's saying it's not time yet. He's not telling his mom, no, leave me alone. He's not being disrespectful. He's just telling his mom, who understands who he is to some, to some extent, he tells her, he says, you know what? It's not time yet. And if you know anything about the people of that time, were they looking for Messiah? Yeah, they've been looking for a long time for Messiah. They were, they were ready for Messiah to come. They were, they were ready for right now. Some of them had this idea that Messiah was going to be a great, you know, military leader, a great leader, that he was going to knock Rome down, that they would establish a new kingdom here on earth. But Jesus didn't come to establish that, did he? He came to bring life and life more abundantly. He came to bring redemption 
to mankind. And so if there's one thing I see in this story is that Jesus is concerned about what concerns us. And I don't know what you're going through today, but you know, you can take it to the Lord in prayer. Did you know that? If you believe in Jesus today and you believe he's bigger than your problems, let him know about it. I believe he wants to know. He's a personal God in that way that whatever's bothering us, then, then we can take it to him in prayer. I had my buddy yesterday helping me uh, hang some TVs. Aren't these TVs kind of cool? I'm pretty pumped about them. But we're up in the attic yesterday, and we're, um, I, think the, I think the cabling was made in China or somewhere where they, they wrap it backwards. Or I don't know, but we had, <clears throat> we had like a whole ball of just wire up here in the, uh, in the attic. And so we go to unroll it and unroll it, and we get it all stretched out, and we were about 25 feet short. <laughs> we, it stopped about right here, I think it was. 25 feet short, all that work, running it up through the wall and stuff. And so we had to go and get more wire, you know? And I, and I was thinking, I wonder if Jesus is laughing right now. Daniel, you idiot. Why didn't you measure? Why didn't you? You know, I didn't ever, I, I measured here on the floor, but I didn't get up in there to see, oh yeah, the, the, the ceiling jumps up another, you know, several feet before it levels off. Jesus is concerned about all kinds of things. And I went to prayer to the Lord, and you can say what you want about it, but I went to prayer to the Lord, and then I got on Best Buy's website, and they had 150 feet of cabling in stock, and they would even bring it out to the car for me. And so we went and got it. In a few minutes, we had it all hooked up. And I believe God is concerned with things like that. You know, I mean, I don't mean to be like a religious person, but I believe whatever you're going through in life, take it to the Lord in prayer because he's concerned. He wants, to, he wants to help us. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Jesus cares for us. What are your anxieties today? There's several. We have pandemic. We have politics. You know? We have, is, is Brady going to retire or not, right? We have all these, like, these horrible things that are going on. But when we think about it, Jesus desires that we cast all of our anxieties upon him. He wants that. He, he wants that because that's the God that he is for us. And I see that in Jesus, again, in the story. He, he cared about people. He didn't want the, the wedding party to be embarrassed because they ran out of wine. He didn't want the, the wedding to be a, a failure. He cared about feelings. And, and that's bigger, but it's not the reason he came, right? He, he didn't come to make wine. He came to be Savior. But, but the cool thing about Jesus, he does both. He takes care of us. He loves us. But he also, he provides eternal life for us. How many of us in here today are excited that we have eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord? You know, man, that ought to be something we just get super excited about. When the worship team, when you guys were leading that last song, I mean, those words washing over my mind, it was just like, that's real. This is the God that I serve. This is who you are. This is who you are. I, I, I go hours and days sometimes without really thinking about who my Lord is. That very personal God who's concerned about me and he loves me. The second point I want us to look at is Jesus is focused on redemption. That, that call to his mom, he's just reminding his mom, this is not the reason I'm here. We're not going to make this some pony show where I go around and this is the reason I'm here. 
I'm going to go and help people with wine and I'm going to, you know, do magic tricks, so to speak. Jesus reminds his mom why he is here. He says, this is not the hour. It's not come yet. He's really reminding his mom, you know, you know why I've came, mom. I'm Messiah and I've come to set people free. And so thinking about the fact that Jesus is focused on redemption, don't you think that he cares about the lost souls in McLeod, Oklahoma? He, it hurts him. It hurts him that in this place today, we lifted up our voices to him. And there are people in this community who don't know him. And they, they, they should be here or somewhere, some church, worshiping Jesus today. Like the Lord desires that. He desires that people come to him. And he's concerned with what concerns us, but he's also focused on redemption. Jesus don't want us just to come to church and just to feel good about ourselves. You guys may leave here today and say, well, it's a good sermon, it's a good worship service. You know, the chairs were comfortable. The, the TVs were bright. But that's not the reason that you should come to church. When you leave here today, you ought to be fundamentally changed because Jesus has spoken to you through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not just concerned with what concerns us, the external, the needs, the wants, whether they're good or bad. But he's also, he's, he's concerned with our redemption. Have you been redeemed today, church? That's really the case. You know, when the disciples were preaching right after, right after Pentecost, Pentecost the, the word that they preached to the crowds was repent, right? Repent and believe. I believe sometimes the church needs to repent. I see a church in America that's it's not as loving as it should be about some things. We need to repent of that. We need to repent of that. We need to be a people who understand and we're big enough to understand that, you know what, God, we're not you, but, but we repent of whatever we've done wrong. And so we look to you as our redemption. Jesus is the redeemer. He's the one that has come to redeem us. Some believe that the underlying reality of this miracle is that the water is, is really kind of symbolic of Jesus doing something different. That water, as you guys know, in those, in those six jars that were 20 to 30 gallons of water, that water would have originally been used to purify themselves. And then here comes the great purifier to do a miracle in those jars. This is, this is our Lord. He didn't just come to make wine. But I mean, he literally, it's like a, it's like a, a denomination, a change. There's, there, there's a, there's a change up here that happens that, that he, he, he says, you know what? It's no more about the old Testament law, but now it's about me. It's about what I'm going to do for you. And I, I love that, that's that symbolism that we see there. And Jesus here we see is also focused on redemption. David Livingstone, you guys know the great missionary, right? David Livingstone, he says that all that I am, I owe to Jesus Christ. How many of you guys relate to that? I do. All that I am, I owe to Jesus Christ, revealed to me in his divine book. Some may say, okay, why, why are we studying through the Bible? Why, why do we go to church? Why do we listen to a preacher? Here's the thing. Every time you come to church, you are introduced to who Jesus is. It's not about Daniel's big theological words, right? I don't have many. It's, it's not, you know, you're not here to be impressed with the worship. You're not here to do all of this. Today, our goal is to know Jesus more. Everybody hear that? It's to know Jesus more. And remember who he is. He's concerned about us. He is focused on redemption. He wants to redeem mankind. Well, Daniel, I've been saved since I was nine years old at VBS. Okay, good. I'm glad you're saved. 
Now get to work because there's other people who need to hear the gospel. We need to be advancing the gospel wherever we go. You know, we need to be a, a people that, that understand that this work of redemption is important. It's important. I'm thankful for missionaries like David Livingstone, how he went to Africa and he you know, did all these great works. And, and many parts of Africa are changed forever, not because of David, but because of the work that the Lord did through him. And here we see we have a wonderful church. Don't you agree? We have a lot of good people here working and, and, and there's always people up here doing stuff and, you know, we're loving on our community and, and we're building this church up. Like, like we're looking for brighter days. We're, we're looking down the road as to, to what is McLeod going to look like in five, 10 years. And so what do we need to be ready for as a church? We're working on that now. And the reason is because I believe we're, we're trying to have the mind of Christ and the mind of Christ is all about redemption. How do we, how do we see people redeemed? Well, we stay busy for one. We get into his word for another. We have a relationship with Jesus. We, we live a life that's not just like everybody else in the world. Because I know what the world's telling you. The world's telling you you need to make more money, right? The world's telling you you need to be you know, more healthy. You need to have this car. You need to have uh, this, this house. But really what we see in the call in scripture is that we need to be like Jesus, <laughs> I'm not saying give up your cars and houses and all that stuff. But what I am saying is we need to imitate the life of Jesus. Jesus was concerned about others. Who should we be concerned about? Others? What, what are we concerned about? Their redemption. Are they saved? Are they not? How many times do we go to Walmart? How many times do we go to the mall? How many times do we go to the post office? And there are sinners, countless sinners around us. And we never once ask, hey, do you know Jesus? What's the worst that's going to happen if you ask somebody if they know Jesus? They're going to turn and walk away? Oh, no. Don't turn and walk away from me. I've done street ministry. I've done, you know, missions. I've, uh, you know, I've done uh, evangelism where you're just going and just talking with people and just stirring up conversations and asking them if they know the Lord. And I've had people say yes, and they give their, their life to the Lord, and that's wonderful. But I've also had people say, well, why don't you just get away from me now, weirdo, you know? But at least they heard, right? At least they know that, that there's, there's someone. And, and for all I know, those people gave their life to the Lord later because I believe that wherever his word goes, that it doesn't return empty and void. Are we busy about the work of the gospel? Are we really concerned with people? Are we, are we really focused on seeing mankind redeemed through Jesus Christ? No, we're not the saviors. We're, we're, not, uh, we're not the messiahs. But man, he is our messiah. And I don't know about you guys, but I want people to know about my Jesus. I want them to know who he is. I love this story because it really just shows the heart of who Christ is. The last point I want us to look at this morning is that Jesus is clear on his mission. He doesn't, he doesn't take a side note here and say, well, let's just party and have a wedding feast. But he, he's so, so clear on his mission that he reminds his mom, you know what? This is not why I'm here. He's clear on his mission. And I believe in the like manner, you and I need to be clear on our mission. That, that church is not just something we do because, well, it's Sunday at 1045. We better have some music, right? Those people better not sit in my pew, you know? Daniel better say, hey, the offering plates are in the back. If it's the first of the month, we better celebrate birthdays. That's not what church is about. It's good stuff. 
It's who we are. They're good traditions. But the work of the church, our mission is to evangelize the world. Our, our, our goal is to go from this place and be different. You know, I, I think uh, in a lot of ways, in my heart of hearts, I, I love being an evangelist. I do. I know the Lord's called me. You get in seminary and they, they say, well, you know, there's pastors and there's evangelists. You know, they want to bust all this out. And, and I know that in my heart of hearts, yes, I'm called to be a pastor 100%. I love pastoring. I love, I love dealing with people's complaints. <laughs> Joe and I were talking this morning about just how, you know, it's like, uh, it's like in church, a lot of times if you just come and go from church, you don't understand all the stuff that goes on. You know, the sound people, they, they see your heads. If you're asleep right now, they know, right? <laughs> they understand. If your kid's misbehaving, they know whose kids are misbehaving. But through all of this, you know, the, the mission of the church is not just to be, you know, a pastor. The Lord called me to be an evangelist too. This past week I went to uh, the State Evangelism Conference. They've changed it to uh, the uh, Advanced Conference now. So I went to this conference this week, and they're, you know, they're, they're just encouraging us as pastors, as church leaders, to, to really, really get on board with evangelism because that's what we're called to. And being a pastor is being an evangelist. But not just a pastor, but being a church member. Your call is to be an evangelist too. Your, your call is to go out and to tell people about who the Lord is. Evangelism can happen anywhere. Jim Elliott, the, uh, another great, great missionary. Jim Elliott says, I realize that the 39th Street bus is as much a mission field as Africa. I love that. I realize that downtown McLeod is as much a, a mission field as Honduras, as China. Wherever you're at in life, God can use you. In church, it's time that we are mobilized. Don't you agree? I know, man, we're doing some good stuff. And I don't want you guys to feel like I'm just kicking you in the face today. But here's what I want you to understand. I believe God's calling us to more. He's calling us to, to go forth, to advance the gospel wherever we go. Jesus is clear in his mission. And if he's clear on his mission, then we need to be clear on our mission. Our mission is to bring glory to God. And the way we bring glory to God is by doing what he's commanded us to do. And that's to go. That's the call today. We see in this passage, it's, it's, a, it's a passage of scripture that I think that sometimes people want to misconstrue. Um, I, I've seen, you know, people want to talk about like the whole alcohol debate, do Christians drink or not? And so they want to go to here and they say, well, well, Jesus, yeah, he made wine. And some people say, no, it was grape juice. And I hear all these ridiculous, you know, like arguments. Really, this, the, the point of this story is this is Jesus. It's not about wine. It's not about weddings. It's not even about Mary's. Mary, his mom. It's not about anybody. It's about Christ. The whole book of John is an introduction to who Jesus is. And just by looking at this, I mean, we see that he's, he's concerned for us. He's all about redemption, and he's all about being on mission. And you and I need to be on mission today, too. That needs to be our call today. But when he talks to his mom, he calls her woman. I would no, never call my mom a woman. Woman? My dad used to, just as a joke, you know. Woman, give me a drink or something. Yeah, whatever. Give me a sandwich. He never said that. He may have. I don't know. But, you know, that's not something we normally say in today's day and age. If I, told, if I called Joni woman and I was serious about it, yeah, it would not be a good thing. But honestly, when you're looking at this, and I, I thought this was interesting. I, I, again, I'm, I, like, I like nerdy stuff. So I, I kind of got, what does this word mean? Like in the Greek, you know. 
And, and it's not like, it's not a word like he's looking down upon Mary, right? He's not looking down to her. He's not talking down to her. He's not mansplaining at this point or Jesus-splaining or whatever we want to say. He's not doing that. But he calls her woman rather than mother because it's like he's entered into a new stage and he's like, all right, mom, I'm talking to you as your savior, not your son. And at this moment, everything's changing, but it's not yet. I'm not going to the cross yet. I'm not going to bleed for mankind yet. It's not happened yet, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Kind of a cool little uh, part of this story that I see, and it's, it's kind of wrapped up there at the end. We see all these three points, and we can make a million points, but I'm a good Baptist, and we have three points this morning, right? But those three points that we see about Jesus, the, the very character of who Christ is, we see it come to fruition there at the end of this little passage. It says in verse 11 that this was the first of his signs. The first. At the end there it says, and his disciples believed in him. His disciples believed in him. Understand, these were disciples who were following him for two days now at least, right? They've been following Jesus. But at this point, this is the third day of people following Jesus. And so they're following Christ. And it says on the third day, they believed. Finally, there's a point that John's making here. And understand, John's there, right? John's writing this because he was there. And John says, and they believed. I kind of get chill bumps thinking about this. That this is like, this is John saying, this was the very moment that I believed is when Jesus turned water to wine. I understood that, yes, this is the Messiah. That, that he's changing everything. That we no longer have to be purified by the old ways, but now we will be purified by Messiah and his work on the cross. This is a moment where John's looking back and he's saying, this is how it was. This is that way maker that we sing about. He's, he's making it possible. Through all of this, we, yeah, man, we see that Jesus is concerned and he's, he's helping people with wine or whatever. But he's also concerned that they're saved. He's also concerned that they repent. He's also concerned that they believe. When I look at this story, I see a beautiful thing because I see disciples who all of a sudden believe that Jesus is Messiah. Now today, you may say, Daniel, I believe in Messiah. I believe in Jesus. I, I trust him with my whole heart. I pray that's your, your, your statement today. I have no doubt. Like, I, I, I just really have no doubts in my Lord. He's been so good to me. There's, there's times when I don't feel like it, right? There's times when your voice sounds annoying, and I'm sorry if I'm annoying you today with my scratchy voice, but it's not COVID, by the way. But Christ has called us today to follow him and to be reminded of who he is. If you know Christ today, man, a lot of little fire under your feet, right? Understand who Jesus is. I, I believe most of us in this place today, we've had past experience with Jesus. We know that he's concerned for us, amen? We know that he's focused on redemption, amen? We know that he's clear about his mission, amen? We know this, like we know it, but we don't live like it. And the call of the church today is to live like it, to follow Christ as, as if he's coming back right now. 
We don't know the time frame here, do we? We may have another thousand years. We may have 10 years. We may have one day. But I do know this. I know that God has called us to go. And I'm encouraged by his character that we see here in chapter two. What a beautiful character that Christ has. Christ's hour hadn't came yet. It hadn't came yet. I like the response here. You know, the master, he, he, he drinks the wine and he says, it's interesting, you, you serve the best wine for last. And normally people didn't, right? We all know this. You've heard a million stories about this. Million sermons about this. But the thing is, is he tells them, you save the best wine for last. Normally people serve the best wine first because people aren't inebriated, right? I guess. That really kind of tells me that this is wine, wine, right? But anyways, um, you know, you serve the, the best wine first. And then, you know, as time goes on, people don't care what they drink. You can serve them toilet water towards the end, you know? It's fine. It's good. They don't, they're not going to know. But here the... The master, he, he kind of says, hey, this is, the, this is wine is better than the other wine, right? I love in the Chosen uh, series how, like, the winemaker comes and talks to Jesus because he's got problems, you know? Like, hey, your wine was better than my wine, you know? <laughs> it's like, this is funny. Probably the way it was, too, right? Now you're taking, you know, his daughter. I don't know how true all this is. Some of it's a little bit of uh, fiction, I suppose. But, but the thing here that we see is that Jesus made Better wine than the wine that was there at the beginning. And again, we see another what? Character reference as to who Jesus is. Don't you think that the things are only going to get better for us? You know? I know you think things are down and out right now, and we're fighting, you know, sickness every week. We just don't know. Is everybody going to be here or not, you know? Until a couple weeks ago, we had really good numbers, and our numbers are pretty good today, but but a couple weeks, three weeks ago, we had, man, it was like you know, full house, and we're just like, man, this is really good. And then all of a sudden, COVID kind of broke out in some people's homes, and we didn't see people come back because they were sick. Which, by the way, if you have COVID, please don't come to church. <laughs> Stay home. It's okay. This is a weird time to do ministry. But what I know, what I know as a pastor is that I, I have to continue what God's called me to. And what you need to know is that you got to continue, whether there's a pandemic or not whether people are dealing with sickness or not, whether or not the church becomes super unpopular. And it, it's kind of trending that way in America today. The people are just not really pumped about church. And they're just like, uh, we don't really need church. We can go online or we cannot go at all. It doesn't really matter because we're living for ourselves. We're lovers of ourselves. That's really the direction of our world. And really, I hate to tell you this, but that's really the sign that the times are about to end. When people become lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. But for the believer, everybody hear this. For the believer, we know that the best is saved for last. That, that picture we see there is that one day we will be setting at the banquet feast of the Lamb. Everybody say amen. You're a good Baptist. Say amen. There's going to be all kinds. There's going to be some, there's going to be crock pots you don't even have to plug in there, okay? It's going to be awesome. But we're going to be sitting there at the wedding feast of the Lamb, the marriage feast of the Lamb, and we're going to be sitting there, and the wine that you have there, the, the time that you have there, the food that you have there, the fellowship that you have there will be better than anything you've ever had on earth. And you know what that is? That's a work of our Lord and Savior. And it's going to be good because He is a good God. 
Understand who your God is today. Understand who he is. Earlier, you guys read through Psalm 5. We heard it read in the scripture reading that Miss, Miss Irene read today. But at the end of that passage of scripture, when you're reading about Psalm 5, David has a call to believers. Are you a believer in here, in here today? I pray you are. But before Christ, David was calling people to know God. And, and he, he gives this challenge. And I, guys, I want to give this challenge to you today based on Psalm 5. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Okay, I'm going to say that again, but when I say rejoice, I want everybody to smile, okay? Y'all with me? But let all who take refuge in him rejoice. Oh, yeah. Let them sing for joy. Don't sing for Daniel. Don't sing for Jesse. Don't sing because you're in church. Sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exalt you for you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. I mean, I don't want to like tell people, well, if you, if you trust Jesus today, everything's going to get hunky-dory and good, right? Not, there's not ever going to be any problems. Evelina, your car is never going to be broke down on a Sunday morning, right? <laughs> Just because you know Jesus, there's going to be stuff happen. Just because you know Jesus, sometimes you're going to be 25 foot short. <laughs> Just because you know Jesus, it doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. But I'll guarantee you this, that if you are righteous and you serve God, that he's going to bless you and he's going to protect you. And that one of these days you'll get to taste the sweetest wine. One of these days you're, you're going to be able to taste a time that is way better than what you're experiencing maybe now or what you experienced in the past. I know a lot of people always talk about the good old days. When, when were your good old days, you know? The 90s, the 80s, the 60s, the 70s, you know? I challenged you guys a few weeks ago. I was like, you know, there never were any good old days. Well, in the garden pre-sin. But ever since then, it's been terrible. People being terrible to each other. You know, we talk about the, the sexual revolution in America today, and we talk about all these uh, you know, new identities and stuff. That stuff's been going on since the beginning of time. Well, I remember when people didn't murder each other. Really? There was a thing called World War II. You never heard about that one? You know? Oh, people shooting up each other. The Wild West? We have a whole genre of music and a, a whole genre of movies. They're all about people shooting up each other in the Wild Wild West, right? I love Westerns. But what I'm reminded of today is that the world's always been sinful since the fall. It's always been broken. It's always been bad. But what we also know is that God is good. Amen. He is good. Today we stand in all of him. And his son, Jesus, he's the great redeemer. He's the one that's concerned for us. And he's the one that wants us to stay on mission. Church, this week, wouldn't it be really cool if we all just went out of here on mission this week? We're saying, you know what? I'm going to bring somebody to church with me next week. If you did that, who cares about COVID? You know, who cares that that happens? It's not going to affect us because we're consistently bringing people in, not for numbers, but to know Jesus. I'm the type of pastor, I don't care if there's one here or 100 here or 1,000 here. I've preached all. I've preached all types of numbers. 
But I do think that there's a lot of people in this world who need to hear the gospel. May we be guilty of going from this place on mission for Jesus today. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are. God, you have, uh, you have blessed us with, with a grace that's beyond anything this world has to offer. And Lord, we know that we haven't even tasted the fullness of your gift. That Lord, you truly have saved the best for last. And so today, God, we, we stand in anticipation of that day when you come for your church. But in the meantime, God, in the meantime, may we be guilty of going on mission and being as serious about redemption as you are, Father. May we, may we be relentless. May we be relentless in sharing the gospel to those who have never heard or those that do not know. Father, I thank you for opportunities I've had this week just to, to talk with people and to pray with people. God, that's, it's beautiful to see you work. There, there's truly nothing more beautiful than, than leading someone to you. Father, send us on mission. And Lord, if there be anyone in this place today, God, anyone in this place who does not know you, I pray that you would call them to repentance today. You would call them to repent from their sins and to believe. Lord, would you do that? Because I know you will, Father. I, I look forward to what you're going to do from these words spoken today out of your holy book. And we ask this in your name. Amen.